You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money with Brenthurst Wealth. And from Brenthurst Wealth is Mags Haystack. And I've received a piece from Mags earlier on today. And it says here, and I've, I got really encouraged by this headline. It says here, a market crash is coming. And I thought, oh, hello, this is interesting. But then it says full stop and another one after that. But let's talk about why panic is an investor's own worst enemy. So what you're saying is, Max, and welcome, by the way, what you're saying is that, of course, a market crash is coming. We just don't know when it's going to be and we shouldn't worry about it. Yeah, well, thanks again, as always, for having me, Lindsay. And I I know my my title piece for today was a little bit sensationalist. Yes. But I think if we've learned anything from the last year in regards to markets and corrections and anything like that, um, I think investors have seen first and foremost how panicking is is quite quite a dangerous response to um, you know any type of market corrections. Um, if you look at the as an example, the S and P five hundred uh, back in March when we were all you know getting to terms with the whole COVID situation and the pandemic and what it meant for humanity, um, we saw we saw a drop of about twelve percent in one day. That was obviously in, in in dollar terms, and I think there was a further correction over the next couple of couple of days that amounted to close to about 30%. Um, Obviously, since then, the markets have recovered. Uh, The S&P 500 has continually hit new highs over the past couple of months. And I think the biggest danger that um, had come out of all of this and, you know, coming to terms with these new type of, um, you know, issues in the market was that Investors who panic sold out, um, they've really felt the brunt of, of the, the damage of, of what's happened. Um, I think, you know, personally, if you look at you know, different investors, if they had pulled out of the bottom, um, reinvested at some point in the future, they probably have only just recovered. But as, as my title said, you know, market corrections, and I think crash is quite a strong word because it takes quite a lot for, a, you know, a crash to occur and for a market drop to be considered a crash. But regardless of, of all those facts, investors who have panicked, sold out, they ultimately were left with two things. They realized their losses and they were also faced with an issue of well, when do they go back into the market? And that's kind of the the topic of conversation that I would like to talk about today and also go over a few fundamentals of, of investing. Okay, well, let's do that. You say don't panic and you put panic in capital letters. And there's a very famous phrase from a very famous uh, English sitcom called Dad's Army where Corporal Jones would say, don't panic, don't panic. Uh, so you're saying don't panic. You say risk profiles, what is really meant by them and why are they so important? And... Yeah, I think you need to explain that to me. Now, obviously, with with any investor, each each investor has a different circumstance re- relating to their investments. Now, when we when we refer to risk profiles, it all comes down to you know what is the acceptable degree of risk an investor can handle within an investment. Um, when we look at risk profiles, we are kind of looking at the the possible volatility that an, that an investor can experience. You get different investors, and, and to kind of summarize them in, in a more simplistic manner, you get a conservative investor, you get a moderate risk investor, and you get an aggressive type of investor. Now, as I've said, I'm, I'm really 
just summarizing that, but it really relates to the the capacity for each of those investors and, and, and the the underlying risk within an investment. Now, when we refer to risk, an example I, I like using with a lot of my clients is, and I asked them, I said, how do you feel about your investment gaining 30% in a year, regardless of it being in rand terms or dollar terms? And most of them, most of them will say, definitely, who wouldn't want 30% yeah. uh, gain? Then you turn the coin on the other side and then you, you kind of explain and say, well, how do you feel about losing? 30 percent um in a year and and that's when the conversation gets quite interesting because that kind of is an example of risk in a nutshell it's about how much upside does the portfolio have what is the potential for that upside but in the same in the same breath what is the potential for downside so when you have a lower risk profile yes your investment is not going to um participate in the same level of, of returns that are that in, you know that the markets could could provide but at the same time it might also provide a degree of protection for the capital so that, so that the losses are not translated the same it's almost as though you're saying sorry to interrupt you but the plus 30 minus uh, 30 example is very interesting because you might be a, a youngster and you've just you've just gone onto one of these um, new trading platforms and you say to yourself well i'm looking at tesla i'm looking at um, gamestop i'm looking at uh, a few other companies as well and i'm willing to take five thousand dollars for example and if i make 30 percent in the next few weeks, then that's fantastic. But I'm willing to lose 30%. That is not what Brenta's wealth is about. Not not necessarily. So obviously with younger investors, they can take more risk um, because they've got more time on their side. And time is obviously the, the most critical component for a- any investment. Um, you might have a short-term investment. You want to park some money into cash where you don't want to lose any money because the objective of that investment is that you want to use it in a year or two, um, as an example, you know we've to give it. You know, some of our clients they they approach us and they say, "Listen, I, you know, I'm looking to perhaps buy a property overseas. I just want to park my money for a year or two where it's safe, but I can still get some degree of return." Um, that would be a very very conservative investment that does not participate in market movements. On the other side, you might have investors who have mentioned, you know, I would like to invest for my retirement. I'm in my 30s. My time frame is 20 years plus. And they can, um, well, basically their portfolios can accept different levels of volatility because they have the time required for the portfolios to recover and hopefully participate and experience capital growth in the future. And that's and that's the next, the next point I wanted to raise is, you know, there's, there's a, there's this two different components of markets and timing and all of that. But ideally, we have to discuss timing the markets versus time in the market. Now, timing markets is impossible. And it's the basic you know, concept of, well, when do I withdraw my money if there's a market correction? And when do I get back into the market? Um, we don't know if, if anyone has the, you know, the, the perfect formula for timing the market, then they would most likely be wealthiest people on the planet but time in the market is so important because it allows your portfolio to experience the volatility um, and, and and recover it's as soon as you withdraw your capital 
when there is a market correction that you lock in your losses and unfortunately there's no going back from there. I've been on roadshows with well-known Cape Town-based investment management company that I know you're quite close to and the statistics are quite staggering. If you'd have withdrawn your money for a certain amount of days during a bull market, how much you would have lost uh, compared to people that just sat there and said, you know what, there's going to be a dip, of course there's going to be a dip, but I don't need to be participating in that dip by getting out and trying to get in again. So time in the market is so important. In other words, you stay there and you don't fiddle with your portfolio. That, that's that's completely correct. And, and, and I do apologize. This is completely anecdotal. But I, I remember you know, reading or, or hearing a, a presentation, and I, I think it's, you're referring to the same company, but yes. they basically indicated that the top, over a 20-year time frame, all the returns came from 13 days. Um, as I said, I could be completely wrong, but it gives you kind of the idea that we don't know when those top performing days are, but investors who remain invested and benefit from those those top 13 or, or 20 days are the ones who are going to be in a much better position. It's the investors who, as as the you know the topic of conversation is today, is, is panic and withdraw all the money and they want to put it in cash and then now decide, okay, the markets are you know have recovered and and, and going back. Because we kind of have an event when that happens and it's twofold. Firstly, they're withdrawing the money at the bottom of the market. And now when they're entering the market, it could potentially be the peak of the market again. So they've lost the you know the upside and now they're entering the market at a much higher point. And if they had just remained invested, analyzed their objectives, their files and all of that and kind of understand that you know there are um, placements within the portfolios and investments that help protect the capital on the downside and that reanalyzing the strategy and just re-looking at it and understanding that panic is probably one of the worst um, responses to any type of market correction. The third point you make is investment timeframes and you say understanding the time frame for your investment and the end goal. I don't think we need to explain that because we've almost explained it in talking about timing the markets versus time in the market. If you're young and you've got a, a fairly decent future ahead of you, you're confident and you can do things that maybe someone who is a little bit older and is more conservative uh, can't do. But anyway, evaluate your end goal and do that with your financial advisor. Diversification is the fourth point you make. You say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Um, you say, it seems like a cliche, but it's not. But you want to explain what is meant by having all your capital in one investment plat investment platform. What do you mean by that? Diversify investment platforms or diversify your portfolio? I felt it was quite important to discuss this as well because, you know, based on my experience when talking with different investors, risk not only comes from your asset allocation, and all of that, there's a bit of a misconception that having all of your money in one place might seem very risky as well. So I just thought, you know, just as a side note to discuss, you know, we're talking about risk and, and profiles and everything. When you have different platforms, um, bear in mind that a platform, be it local or offshore, is basically just the reporting function of, of any investment. Um, you have the ability to have, for example, multiple investments with one single platform, but where the diversification comes from is the the different asset classes within the different funds that you use. Right. Um, I think it's it's important to discuss that because we are very um, you know vocal on diversification and that it is also very important in terms of 
assisting investors to achieve their goals. So effectively, a platform is just where the reporting comes from. They do the tax reporting. They indicate, you know, how how you know well or how poorly your investment has grown. But at the end of the day, your diversification comes from the different funds or you know perhaps ETFs that you use on different platforms. And as I mentioned, just a side note and just kind of clarify that. If you have all your money with one company, um, which might only be the investment platform, it doesn't necessarily mean that your capital is at risk. Your volatility will come from the risk profile of the different funds uh, that you use. Okay. Diversification. It's always a good thing. I mean, also in money management with stop losses, I mean, you can diversify as much as you like, but if a share price goes down uh, 10, 15%, there should be a stop loss in there. Anyway, that's, that's me going off at a tangent. The final thing that you say, Max, is clarity and it's mind over matter. Evaluate and then respond. What do you mean by that? So I think it's, it's it ha- something I've, I've touched on now, you know, the past couple of minutes, but whenever there is a market correction, yeah. It's important for investors to open that dialogue with with their advisors, or perhaps you know, reading um, materials on on you know through the news and everything. I found that a lot of the the news regarding to markets is very sensationalist. You will hear, you know, recently the JSCs hit you know all time highs, and it's it's important for investors to. To read up on it, to, you know, perhaps talk to their bosses, you know, find as much information as they can to kind of understand why is that happening. And the exact same can be said about market corrections. Um, I think a lot of the times when a market corrects, and I'm not just referring, I might be a bit biased to the U.S. market because it is, you know, the largest, the largest index. Yeah. But kind of understanding if there's a correction what is the fundamentals behind it? Why is there a big correction? You know, there's so much more um, with with regards to markets and, and the volatility as to just a simple, uh, you know, investors are, are selling their shares or, you know, there's political turmoil somewhere overseas. And, and effectively, clarity and, and from an investment point of view is just explaining, and it comes back to that, that panic com- component. If there's a reason for panicking, why are you panicking? Are you afraid of losing your money, or you know, are you? Is this just what the media is telling you that oh, panic and you know it's the end of the world? Kind of what we saw happen about a year ago, or are there other fundamental reasons behind that? And effectively, investors need to evaluate, get all the information possible, and then respond. And that will help protects capital and, and investment values much better than just a simple knee-jerk response of panic and sell. Um, and that's that's kind of what, what I, I meant by that, that last point. That's a very good point indeed. My ideal situation would be as follows, Max. It would be give 90% of my money to a responsible fund manager, for example, Brent Earthwealth, and uh, leave it up to them. And they've got a good track record, so away we go. Time in the market rather than timing the market. Let's get on with it. But I would love to take that uh, 10% or maybe 5%, who knows, and just have a little bit of a punt here and there and say, I fancy this stock, I fancy that. And if I lose my money, then I can afford to lose that money. That is my absolute ideal um, situation. Many of your clients won't share my thoughts, but that's what's good for me. But just keep the the speculative side of your portfolio very, very small and be prepared to lose it. Would you say that that is a, a good policy? No, definitely. And as, as I've mentioned, I think in our conversations in the past, we get clients from all different walks of life 
they might be in a position where they have the ability to, you know, make a punt on, let's say, 15 or 20 percent of, you know, be, sorry, between five to 15, 20 percent of the portfolio where they specifically ask for a more aggressive portfolio. Mm. Um, it's up to the advisor to just, you know, as the name in, in, entails, to advise them to say, well, you have the ability to do that, or perhaps that might not be in your best interest. But, you know, that's that's the the beauty of investing, is that you have the, the, the capability and possibilities of investing however you want. The advisor will just say, might not be in your best interest, or definitely, you know, we have the ability to do that. And it's, it's that continual relationship and, you know, that review process that is so critical to helping people obtain those goals. Mags, thank you so much for your insight. That's Mags Haystack from Brentos Wealth, and that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brentos Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.